Okay, so what's our agenda today, guys? We're gonna talk about our Q3 accomplishments and then uh, talk about the protocol upgrade. What else should we talk about? Well, yeah, I guess. Why, why is the plenty price down so much? Okay, we'll also talk about that. Very good. So uh, let me share my screen for a little bit. Let's see. Let's see what we did in the previous quarter. You guys see my screen? Yep. You can see it. Okay. So first of all, we celebrated our fourth birthday. We're four years old. Uh, very nice to have made it. Most tech companies or startups don't make it past the one-year mark or definitely the three-year mark. We're at the four-year mark, so that's great. I think uh, the magic might be that uh, we're bootstrapped and not VC-funded. So not that we have less pressure to deliver, but we deliver on a pace that makes sense to us and products that make sense to us as opposed to being beholden to an external entity that doesn't necessarily share the same values. Yeah, I think I'd agree. We have the kind of flexibility that lets us work on the projects that we really make sense to us. So yeah, overall Q3, lots of incremental improvements, right? Like we didn't start working on a new project within the devil's uh, ecosystem. We didn't, we didn't uh, make any radical departures. We just sort of made improvements across the board as much as we could. Um, so this is our medium article that went out about Q3. Um, the image proxy was the first item on the agenda. Um, so the content proxy, why do we have a content proxy? What, what does that have to do with NFTs? Who wants to take this one? Sorry, I was on mute. Right, so Media Proxy is cool and interesting. It accomplishes two things for our users. One is content moderation. So we have an automated system in place to classify images, to flag various types of objectionable content. And this is useful because on a blockchain, it is easy to inject an NFT into someone's collection which will make it appear in that person's collection without them taking any action to acquire the NFT. And you can spam people with possibly upsetting content this way. So in Galleon, since we feed our uh, content requests through the media proxy, they will get flagged. So that's one. Two, the media proxy also has a caching service so for nfts for example to have high number of editions with many holders many owners uh, load times will be significantly improved and for that matter if uh, you open galleon today you look at your nft collection and you open it tomorrow this content may still be in the cache and they will be served to you more quickly than directly from generally ipfs Yeah, um, really our hope is multiple type of ecosystem projects adopt this content proxy and the whole NFT experience is safer and more fun for everybody. And there's no censorship. 
it's all it, it's all meant to ensure that people provide consent for the content that they view so no content is ever censored out and those who wish to view all the nft content they have can do so um there's some there's a lot of abuse there's a lot of uh fraud that's possible with nfts and uh hopefully this fixes it and it makes nfts on tether even more compelling um okay so we did a bunch of work with galleon mike would you like to provide an overview of all the galleon work we did wow what did we do with galleon let me see well it's right here in front of you <laughs> I like to go by my GitHub comments. So give me one second. Cool. So we had a bunch of releases in uh, Q3. Uh, as you said, there were incremental improvements, but really these are quality of life changes that make Galleon and by extension Tezos uh, easier to use and a more pleasant experience overall. A lot of the stuff that we did had to do with NFTs, as you mentioned. So not only did we um, add the media proxy, we also added uh, just more general NFT functionality. You can send NFTs, uh, you can uh, view them. We have a, a new uh, gallery view, which is very nice. You can preview videos now. We added support for trading within Galleon for KeeperSwap and Dexter. Of course, Dexter now has nearly zero liquidity, so that's being phased out. Uh, many, many more tokens got added. So there's plenty, HDAO, Callum, uh, the entire RAP family, uh, lots of tokens that you can trade on the various DeFi projects are now available in Galleon. And what you can do is uh, view your balances, send these balances, and for many of them, trade them, as I said, on KeeperSwap. Uh, we also support uh, the Calibri ecosystem of tokens. So there is uh, KUSD itself, there's KDAO and so on. We also have a way for you to harvest uh, both Plenty and Calibri farms automatically with a single click. Let's see. Uh, related to this, uh, we improved Beacon support to render more operations in a user-friendly way so that you don't have to read the contents of the operation yourself to figure out what you've been, what you're trying to do. This is uh, the way I see it really is a security feature. We surface the intent of the DAP you're interacting with to make sure that uh, the transaction being processed is the transaction you actually wanted to execute. Let's see, during the same time, uh, there was also the Granada upgrade and we support the Granada swap for TZBTC. That is the AMM that is part of the liquidity baking process. So you can trade TZBTC with it and you can stake your TZBTC balance there as well. What else did we do? Yes, we added beacon signature support. This is useful for services like TZ profiles and some others that when connecting a wallet to the DAP, they require a signature. This is an additional verification to confirm that 
the account being served to the DAP is indeed under your control. I have seen uses for this that don't really make sense to me. I guess this is kind of an aside. Uh, if I'm connecting a wallet to a DAP, there's no reason to actually confirm that I control the account most of the time because I'll be performing operations. If I'm performing operations on behalf of this DAP through Galleon, uh, Galleon is responsible for signing it anyway. So connecting with some account, really all it does is associates my IP address with that account for a third party in a very strong way. Because if I provide a signature with an account, most certainly I control the private key. Other than that, we cleaned up the UI and uh, made some small bug fixes otherwise, but uh, that's really the bulk of it. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so lots of Galleon is evolving with the ecosystem. Um, that's really cool. And uh, is there anything that you want to demo? Like from Galleon or Galleon Mobile right now? I am not prepared to do so, but- We do have some videos coming. We do have some videos coming, which I'm working on. And they'll have all this stuff. They'll have Beacon stuff and NFT stuff, maybe some other stuff. We'll see. Awesome. Um, so moving on to Concee now. Um, so Concee in quarter three, lots of activity. We, we delivered a whole bunch of features that you guys can see. And there's a whole litany of them, uh, but most importantly, we added support for metadata for FA2 contracts, especially NFTs. Um, we have a lot of stuff with big maps, again, for time traveling through NFT balances, token balances. Uh, there's a bunch of other features that we have in response to feedback from developers and users. And uh, as the Tezos ecosystem matures and there are more and more tokens, it's really important to index them in a responsive and quick manner. So hopefully some of these recent changes will allow us to move really fast. If someone launches a new token, they don't have to wait for a conceive release. They, we just have to sort of make an online update and conceive will start indexing the new tokens. But there's lots and lots of changes on the conceive side. And uh, they've, unfortunately they've just accumulated. We've been so busy that we haven't been able to actually release these changes, but now that we're working on it, we're actively release testing. Previously, every time we started release testing, something or the other came up. We had to add a new feature, but now we're kind of doing a feature freeze and we're determined to get a release out no matter what. What's a feature freeze? Is that the opposite of feature creep? It's the opposite of feature creep. Feature creep was what was killing us so far. We kept adding new stuff and now it's feature freeze. We, we send the developer off to a nice holiday in the... Uh, in the Black Sea or the Baltic Sea so that no further progress is possible. So we're forced to release this. Um, word about JS, Mike? 
So CanSageS is fairly stable lately. Uh, we did make a few changes to operation estimation because uh, Granada introduced some changes to that. Uh, we're adding support for Hondro because there are new uh, Mickelson pieces there. I think a few people reached out from the community where they wanted additional features, mostly exposing our internal functionality, which we did. Um, yeah, there were even a couple of uh, external PRs submitted, which is always exciting. We're very happy to accept uh, pull requests from uh, third parties. Very nice. Uh, let's just look at some other stuff from the update. Uh, we're doing user testing right now. Uh, actively, I think we closed our user test and we're at the analysis stage. So the, so the idea is to, or the idea was to pick some representative personas from the Tezos ecosystem and outside of it and really understand how they interact with Tezos or how they heard about it, stuff like that, uh, just to understand our user base better so that uh, it, it pulls our whole product stack, especially Galleon forward. Uh, I don't think we have a designer on today, so uh, more details next time, hopefully with some fine-grade analysis. Uh, we also helped with the Tez Asia Hackathon, which seems to have been very, very successful. So I think we're, we can be appreciative of all the work that the Tezos India Foundation has done. So a lot of people seem to participate. We, we offered mentorship, uh, just like last year we did our part. So that feels good. Um, should we talk about infrastructure lastly and about how the infrastructure usage has been absolutely exploding? We're just getting pounded. It's both a good and a bad thing. Um, we probably, Tosin, would you say we, we scaled up our infrastructure Two-fold, four-fold, or eight-fold? Somewhere between two and four. I don't, I don't remember exactly how many, but like it's grown by a lot, and it's super exciting to see how many requests we're getting every week. I think it's like I think we're around like the half billion mark per week yeah. requests. So it's pretty cool. I think it's at least four x, definitely more than two x. Yeah. yeah, we're seeing numbers that we never thought was possible. Like just last year, the numbers that we're seeing now, we have felt a little bit crazy. And honestly, we're, we're struggling to keep up just because there's so much demand coming in. Uh, so we're constantly firefighting behind the scenes. Um, and But that's a good sign, I think. As a, as a tech company, you kind of do want to struggle a little bit because you're getting too much demand. So um, things are calm again on the infrastructure front, but it was both good and bad. None. I think maybe it's worth uh, going into details a little bit as to why we're seeing additional traffic. And I spoke at the chain randomly just to see what people are doing, to see what contracts are popular, uh, to see what the use cases are. And I noticed that there is a significant increase in uh, automated operation activity, meaning that uh, I want to say there may be six distinct developers uh, that have written several kinds of bots. And these bots submit a large volume of operations, a significant chunk of which fail because these bots end up competing with each other. So what kind of bots am I seeing? 
there are people trying to arbitrage KeepuSwap against Plenty. Uh, to some extent, they're trying to arbitrage uh, Vortex as well. Uh, and Granada Swap for TZBTC. And there's also several bots that are automatically collecting NFTs. And that's been a source of frustration, I think, for uh, several, well, for many really human participants on the Tezos chain in the NFT collection uh, game. Because, uh, well, if you look at Twitter, uh, lots of people are upset that they can't get the NFTs they want to get because these bots snap them up very, very quickly. So this is a significant chunk of traffic. I don't know how much of it necessarily our nodes are seeing, but uh, there's not a lot of high availability infrastructure that's public. So there are the nodes that we run. There are the nodes that um, the foundation runs. Uh, Madfish has some. I don't know how deep their uh, node pool is. I don't know if it's bigger or smaller than ours. Who else? Um, SmartPy has nodes as well um, but again i don't think infrastructure offering is their primary goal here i think they're offering infrastructure specifically because they have an online ide and uh, they want to be able to help people uh, test their contracts against not just mainnet but also multiple protocols which is why they offer their own services i'm sure i'm forgetting someone oh yes giganode uh but giganode recently transitioned it's unclear what state it's in right now at least unclear to me. So yeah, this is a big reason why we're seeing more traffic. Yeah, and looking at the analytics, um, there's generally uh, a lot of user demand. So people using Plenty and people using uh, the, the SmartLink products. So there's just all kinds of organic user demand, which reflects activity happening on other blockchains as well. Um, but yeah, it's a challenge, but we've been dealing with it. It's a good problem to have. And as Tezos grows, I think it's going to be an ongoing um, ongoing problem for us. And uh, we'll, we'll keep rising to the challenge. Cool. So I think we went over the whole Q3 report. On the personnel side, we also have Vincent on the team. Vincent, would you like to say hello and just kind of talk about what you do here? Sure. So I joined uh, Cryptonomic recently, and I'm basically doing some product management and as well business development. So it's great to see uh, all these projects uh, uh, progressing in parallel of each other. And it's super exciting to see that we have people going from all backgrounds and with many different use cases that want to our help to, to grow the Tezos ecosystem. And uh, I'm very happy to be here today. Awesome. Um, looking forward to all your updates in the, in the mm -hmm. coming streams. Um, Tassine, are you ready to go? Yep. OK, so let's do a little demo. Uh, let's do a little demo of the content proxy. So uh, again, just for background, the purpose of the content proxy is to make sure that people, when they look at, especially at NFTs, uh, they have a choice on whether they view sensitive content or not. So um, with that said, Tassim, please demo away. Cool. So yeah, this is a kind of an idea of what the image proxy, like what a use case would be. 
Um, so suppose I have some website or a wallet like Galleon, um, and I want to view an NFT, um, but I don't know necessarily what's behind that NFT. Um, so this is just like an example image that we've been using, our boy David. Um, it's a famous dick pic. Sorry, I could not resist. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, but as you can see, um, since this request is going through the image proxy, um, it gets blocked. Um, and so the image is blocked um, due to the following labels and it's suggestive and explicit nudity, which I think you could say are both fair labels. Um, but uh, let's say even still, I wanted to see David really badly. Um, I could uh, force the request um, and still, still get the result and see his beautiful face. Um, but suppose it's not, it's a regular image, um, just to show that regular things can get through the image proxy. Just image and here we go. Um, this is a rock and he was an NFT. You can see his face. Um, but suppose I thought this was offensive for some reason. I could also go ahead and report this for whatever reason. And the image proxy will pick that up. Um, and then if, and if enough people report the same image, um, it can also get blocked. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, one thing we also have is a TypeScript library to help interact with the image proxy. Um, and it's pretty straightforward. We have a bunch of documentation here. Um, and yeah, then that we have our readme, which has a bunch of information um, regarding running it yourself or even connecting to ours. Very cool to see. Uh, so Galleon Mobile performs pretty much in the same principle. There is an NFT gallery, and uh, you, uh, if there's a sensitive con content, it gets flagged, but you can still view it with your explicit permission. Um, shall we talk a little bit about the tech behind it? So to see uh, what language is it written in, and uh, how does it actually manage to moderate content? Yeah, so we wrote the image proxy in Rust, um, which was super exciting because a lot of uh, new things are happening in that space. Um, thing with Rust is that uh, the compiler is super picky. So once it compiles, uh, you kind of have the peace of mind that it'll work for, for the most part. Um, so it's uh, I would say it's pretty robust. Um, we've also load tested it, and uh, the image proxy has been handling well so far. Um, the way it moderates the images is by using AWS recognition. So we feed all the images up through their model, and that's how we get the moderation labels. Um, and what was the last question? Sorry. Uh, no, you answered the last question, how oh, the moderation okay. actually happens. And uh, what was the main technical challenge building the image proxy? Um, I think, so one thing we're running into now uh, is maintaining state over multiple instances instances of it um, because should we see a bunch of traffic uh, we want we want to cache all the images from IPFS um, because IPFS is obviously really slow right now um, so getting that to work across multiple instances um, is is one challenge that we're facing right now um, but in terms of like the core project uh, I think technically at least for me just getting it working with rust, uh, this is my first project with it, and like, it's 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 just difficult. It's a difficult language. It's a nice but difficult language. Um, so yeah. 
that's that's uh, a really nice overview. Thank you, the team. Um, we we're adding uh, video moderation also to the uh, content proxy. I guess we can talk about it more next time because that's a whole involved topic. Um, we were supposed to talk about the the new protocol, Proto H, but we sort of need our friend uh, Shomu on the call. Oh I, no, I see him. I see him. So Shomu, are you ready to talk about Proto H? Um, I can. Uh, I can do it. Yeah. Okay. So, so Shomu, you've been looking at Protocol H on behalf of the team. Uh, what are you most excited about? Um, personally, I am really excited about the on-chain views. Um, like, as a as a content developer, I think uh, smart content developer, I think that's going to be pretty useful. Uh, currently, um, if we want to actually view something, like so, so I'll just give an introduction to what is going on right now and why it is important. So, uh, so currently, uh, what we have right now is if you want to view data on a different contract, like a external contract, uh, we need to make a call to that contract, and that contract then you know makes a call back uh, to back to us. And basically, it means that you need to have you know uh, multiple entry points and some kind of state management between these different contract calls and stuff, which is pretty complex when you know uh, when you are making. Uh, complex contracts that have multiple such view calls to different stuff, right? Um, so this view, uh, on-chain view uh, feature would allow you to basically just make a synchronous call to the external contract and get the data immediately and use that as, uh, uh, use the value in the uh, same entry point itself. So it makes it much more simple. You don't have to do this state management between different contact calls and stuff anymore. So it's pretty useful. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about that specifically. Um, yeah, like, and apart from that, there's there's obviously other improvements that uh, ProtoH brings in. So uh, we have the um, uh, time lock feature that is coming in, uh, which uh, we are still like I'm still exploring like what are the possible use cases that might come in. Um, but in general, um, there are already. Uh, you know projects that might benefit from it. So there are projects like you know options that use seal bids and stuff, which uh, would probably benefit from this you know inbuilt time lock feature that is uh, being provided right now. So so yeah. So these are the two most uh, important features. Like I think would be pretty important uh, for me at least. So views uh, kind of bring us or bring tethers on parity with. Ethereum and other chains, right? Yep. In terms of ease of development, but say time locks are something that that set tables apart. Like, is that something that generally other chains don't have? So, as far as I know, uh, there is no inbuilt time lock feature in Ethereum, at least, like how we are doing, right? Like uh, how Tezos is trying to put it. So, I guess um, that's a unique feature, but at the same time, like. Uh, the use cases that come up for it would be probably um, like it's not impossible to implement time lock without having a uh, you know on chain like inbuilt time lock feature. So other chains could possibly uh, other projects could possibly do a uh, time lock thing without actually having this. So uh, it's it's not impossible to do it on other chains also. But at the same time, having it you know uh, in in the 
protocol itself makes it much simpler and accessible uh, for everybody. Yeah, I think that shows some of the promise of on-chain governance. And uh, with every passing protocol upgrade, we see some new sort of built-in features that really start differentiating the the Tezos platform. Uh, anything else in there in, in the in the protocol that you want to mention, Shamul? So I another thing that I remember is the new caching mechanism that they have added for the contracts. Um, so uh, according to the like documentation that I've read, it should uh, you know help speed up stuff obviously and you know reduce the gas costs for. Uh, some popular uh, contracts that are being you know, regularly hit so it's kind of useful for the users from one point like they have to pay less for the you know the popular contracts that they are regularly calling so it's it could be a useful thing yeah uh is there a concern at all that because there's a it, it's almost like a most recently used cache there's going to be a sort of bias towards established protocols so if you already have uh if you already have a liquidity pool or if you already have something like uh plenty which is being used by so many people they they get a sort of natural advantage over or any incumbents like plenty get a natural advantage over newcomers who might you know for argument's sake they might have better technology but they they have a performance hit just because they're not as popular is there any winner take all effect that's possible due to caching so um actually when i think of it now that uh, that you mentioned it uh, it might be possible that there's some you know uh, so according to the documentation itself uh, the contracts that are in the cache itself has some you know gas optimizations that other contracts that are not in the cache you know have right uh, uh, so that might cause some disparity in gas fees but at the same time uh, it would be uh, like I, I probably would need to you know take a deeper look into the product like how it's implemented itself to understand that if uh, there are cases where uh, other contracts which are not in the cash would be you know uh, hit with you know higher gas fees or something or comparatively higher gas fees but there might be a chance where uh, such scenarios happen where there's a disparity between uh, contracts that are on the cash and you know basically popular contracts and uh, contracts that are coming in new like projects that are coming in new so there might be a case um, yeah that might be possible awesome yeah uh, i think no better way to to really understand this and get the answers and bring up uh hongju infrastructure in our back end and start playing with it so that'll be really interesting to see uh, whether there's a genuine concern or not, we'll find out. I think uh, we need to sort of delve into this a little bit more. Uh, but again, nothing better than bringing up a node and playing with it, uh, which is always the nice thing about blockchain technology. Um, cool. Any last thoughts about Hongju? Uh, anyone else got thoughts on, on Hongju? Yeah, sorry, I was on mute. Uh, views are really a big deal. It will significantly simplify smart contract construction. It will make it easier to reason about the logic of the smart contract because right now uh, you have to break up the flow of your code into multiple pieces to callbacks. 
And if I understand it correctly, with views, you no longer have to do that. It'll just make it so much easier to read contracts, that uh, to audit contracts, and obviously to compose your own. Can't wait. That, I mean, that alone has huge implications. Yeah, I would strongly agree. Uh, so there's good reasons why Jadoot has a slightly different architecture for smart contracts calling each other. Um, so reentrancy has been a big problem in smart contract design on Ethereum. Quite a few hacks have been related to reentrancy, so that's why Jadoot was architected a little bit differently. But the trade-off has been that it's it it makes sometimes, maybe even often, makes smart contract development awkward because the whole idea with DeFi and other things like it is composability, right? And composability has been more challenging. So views really uh, ease that burden. And this is something that we've been looking forward to for quite some time. And I think it's going to make our lives significantly easier. Cool. Um, so we still have time. Everything we described so far was related to our public open source grant-funded work, thanks to the Tezos Foundation. Should we talk a little bit about the work we're doing for, uh, for the Stable Tech Initiative? So we're building sure. a lending platform. Yeah, we are building a lending, so we should talk about it a little bit because we spent so much time on it. Um, we posted so a video. We even posted a video, two videos, effectively. Um, so the design we'll probably talk about next week because uh, Maya, who's been working on the designs, is uh, is away. But uh, yeah, on the smart contract side, uh, what have we been up to, Mike? So we have a version one. Uh, of the lending platform that we've been playing with on the various test nets. Uh, and I want to say it works. There are some changes that we're making, let's call it 1.1. Uh, the original design was loosely based on compound two. So there's a collection of smart contracts that uh, have their own business functions and they work together to uh, implement a lending platform. Uh, so that's a compound two type uh, setup. The storage structure wasn't great just for, like conceptually, it wasn't initially well-designed. So we're changing that. And I think once that's done, uh, perhaps as early as the first half of next week, we can probably publish something uh, maybe the code, uh, likely the deployment on Granada, uh, or maybe Hanjo for that matter, if we bring up a node, um, not, not main net certainly. And uh, we're also working on the UI, uh, the video that uh, we mentioned just a second ago, that's a demo of what the completed UI is going to look like. So it's most certainly a journey to get there, but uh, we have, chunks of it already working. We're tying it to the contracts. Uh, it'll, it's a bit of a moving target because obviously if we actually, as we use it ourselves uh, as a complete product, uh, we find things that we don't like, things we want to change, streamline and so on. And at the same time, the smart contracts are going to change. So in addition to this 
fairly minor storage arrangement change. Uh, we're also going to implement views, right, uh, in time for age. So work, lots of work remains. And once all these things are done, of course, we're going to want to test this to exhaustion because you want to make sure these things are behaving as expected and no one loses money and so forth. But yeah, it's uh, definitely a challenge. I appreciate the fact that um, Stable Tech has been talking about this for quite some months and perhaps uh, the ecosystem participants are quite eager to see it live, but it's not something that I at least feel comfortable rushing. Yeah, absolutely. Lending platforms are hard, they're complex. And out of all the DeFi products that are out there, I think learning platforms are probably top three hardest to build. And uh, especially on Tezos, where there's not yet an established learning platform, I think it's incumbent upon the, upon the people who do some of the earliest platforms to be careful and have a, have a measured and successful launch. Because as we saw with Dexter, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's important to launch these things, but um, feeding it correctly and really batch testing it is really important. Dexter uh, obviously was the first. It added momentum to the Tethos DeFi ecosystem, but uh, ultimately it had to be abandoned. And um, it's not because you know the, the team behind it didn't work hard. It's because this stuff is intrinsically very difficult and it just shows you the pitfalls of doing cutting edge stuff especially on uh on, on a unique chain like tezos so uh yeah I, I also understand some of the impatience that we're seeing online but um we we absolutely have to get it right we have to do it completely correctly and rule it out in a responsible manner because just looking at all the activity like we talked before there is a lot of interest and potentially the total value lot could be quite substantial um aisha you've been working on the front end for uh testfin or oh, actually we don't have aisha anymore uh never mind <laughs> maybe next time um cool uh so tezx continues to run Decentralized trustless swaps. Uh, we made some minor tweaks. I'm not sure they're worth really talking about. Um, anything else Tezos related that we, we should be talking about this week? What else is? Doesn't have to be cryptonomic. Like in oh, general, sec, uh, for Tezx, uh, over that period, we did add new pairs, right? So that's kind of a big deal. Uh, another thing that happened. Uh, there is another Bitcoin analog that was launched. I don't think it has significant liquidity yet, but uh, the same entity that manages uh, USDTC and ETC now has BTCTC. Uh, USDTC migrated over to a multi-sig contract. That's a kind of a big deal as well, I think. Uh, so yeah, these are also things we've done. That's... Uh... I think that that's a good overview of pretty much everything that's been going on recently. 
Um, Vincent, what's uh, new and exciting in the Tezos ecosystem in general? Good question. Uh, many projects uh, are uh, coming on the spotlight, and one of them is uh, McLaren Racing, right? They just launched, I think, yesterday uh, some NFTs on Tezos, and you have to collect a part of the car. And then, uh, uh, yeah, I found it pretty, um, it's a good idea. And if you are a, a, a Formula One car fan, it's could definitely something that will bring uh, the crowd to the NFT uh, world and on Tezos. So yeah, that's one project uh, we have to follow. Uh, Vortex was launched right a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's a smart link um, DEX. Uh, from the Spartic team. And I think uh, Mike, but maybe you know better than me on that, they are going to launch uh, some AMM pool soon, right? But uh, we don't have a date, uh, but I think it was the next things to come. They are posting, but not so often. So I hope this project as well is going to grow. No, no, the AMM pools are up. Vortex is the AMM. Ah, yeah, but uh, what was um, the next product they had? Farms are coming at some point. Ah, yes, farming. Sorry, my bad. Yes, the farming. Yeah, farms are coming at some point. I don't think they have a public timeline for this. Uh, there is already staking for the SMAC token, but that's been live, I believe, since the very beginning. Mm, so quite yeah, a while. Definitely. Uh, and the AMM has a small but growing collection of uh, pairs. Oh, there was another thing. Um, there's another AMM that launched, right? The WTZ-based one. Ah, okay. That's okay. The name escapes me at the moment. Well, as a lifelong Formula One fan, it's still I'm still not used to watching, like, uh, I watch every race. But when they have the onboards, you see the Tessa's logo uh, hmm. with the Red Bull car and the McLaren car. Uh, it's kind of cool. Uh, but... It still uh, boggles my mind to see uh, the Tesla's logo show up <laughs> in that domain. So far, my, my weekend and my weekdays were completely separate, but now they're not. It's both good and bad. Yeah, Vincent and I, I own Dojo Cat NFTs. Never have I thought I could say a sentence that I own a Dojo Cat NFT with my colleague. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's part of work. And it's, it's part of work. It was yeah. really research. <laughs> yeah, purely research. Uh, <laughs> cool. Uh, I think uh, I think we covered a lot. It's good for our for our first foray. Um, you guys think this makes sense to put out also in audio form, like like a podcast, maybe? Yeah, you're on mute, Mike. But yeah, I mean, I am the second one when we figure out how not to echo over the call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's do. Yeah, when we um Twitter Spaces, or is that blasphemous to talk about some like decentralized open source Jitsi? <laughs> well, we are supposed to do a Twitter Space, so I think that's going to follow real soon. Cool. Becoming Daisy. Um, awesome. Uh, I think it's time to end the live stream. So everybody say goodbye to whatever audience. Bye. 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 Bye.